out there? Can you hear me? Awesome. Come on, y'all need to liven up. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Turn to him. It's all right. Talk a little bit. I hope you're doing well online. It's great to have you joining us wherever you're at, man. It's good to be Faith Church all together. And uh, I really wish there was a way for me to see you on the other side of this uh, camera, but uh, man, we're glad that you are here in the room. And uh, I just want to say thank you for those that have been attending here in person. You guys have been doing a great job uh, wearing masks kind of in and out of the building when you're at your seat, if you're kind of comfortable and around it. I, you know, many of you are taking them off and we're okay with that. We've got plenty of space still in the room and in the building for people to be distancing and separating. And if you're at home wondering, man, I'd really like to come, I'd encourage you to check out the 11 o'clock service. Uh, there is definitely a lot more room to spread and to kind of spread out and, and distance, as you will. But uh, we're going to continue to move forward. We're going to continue to gather. We're going to continue to lift up the name of Jesus. And uh, we're going to grow as we practice our faith each and every day. And uh, we've been in this collection of teachings um, all about prayer, where we're practicing prayer and we're using the Lord's Prayer the way Jesus said, hey, this is how you should pray. We've been using this Lord, the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6 as kind of a a guide and not just a prayer that we would pray, but it's a pattern or different modes of prayer that the Bible kind of teaches. And so we've been kind of going little by little through the Lord's Prayer um, so that we can better understand um, prayer in general, ways, approaches, types, and kinds of prayer um, that we pray. And today I want to talk to you um, about this contemplative prayer. This approach to prayer that is more contemplative, that is geared towards communion with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at a couple verses, Matthew chapter 6 and then Revelation 21. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, this is, this is what scripture says. It says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. We're going to focus on that phrase here today. Revelation 21 kind of gives us a glimpse as to what that in heaven kind of looks like. What it's going to look like in the age to come. Revelation 21 says this very end of scripture. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any, any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Come on, somebody, that's good news, and somebody should say amen, right? All of that is really, really good news. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and consider it an honor, a privilege to open your scriptures and to freely, publicly discuss what your word is saying. Lord, over the next few minutes, would you give us ears to hear, 
Give us eyes to see. Would you allow our spirits to really receive what you want to teach us today? Lord, help me to get out of the way so that what you want to say can come through to each person. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the words from my mouth today and would you tailor them to every person's life, situation, and moment. Lord, you know more than me. And Lord, I pray that these words would be imparted into us and help us draw closer to you as we learn what it looks like to have real communion with you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, Jesus told us to ask for three things to be done on earth as they are in heaven in this Lord's Prayer. Three things. We ask for God to be glorified on this sinful earth as he is worshiped in the perfection of where he resides now in heaven. Hallowed be your name. He told us to um, ask for God's principles to rule the stubborn earth as they do under his reign in heaven. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're asking God to do and allow his reign. And we're asking God for God's perfect will to be done on this imperfect earth just like it is in heaven. This is what we are called into. And we've been talking about these things for the last few weeks. And today is kind of the hinge point or the turning point. Uh, next week, we're kind of going to begin a different discourse and explore some different modes of prayer. But today, we're kind of wrapping up these first few phrases of the Lord's Prayer as we learn what it looks like to live unhurried, not in a rush, but willing to sit in silence with the Lord and allow him to speak to our hearts. The point of prayer is not to get God to do what we want him to do. The point of prayer is to develop a relationship with God, to have communion with Father, Son, and Spirit, to have a way of communication with God that allows us and him to be united, to strengthen the bond of our relationship for us to unburden and unearth and encounter him in a personal way. I think prayer at the most basic starting point is when we're asking God for stuff. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. That's an okay way to pray. There's nothing wrong with that, that God gives us permission and he wants us to pray and talk to him about the stuff that we need. That's a great starting point as we learn how to do this thing called prayer, as we learn to practice prayer. Prayer at its best, though, is a two-way communication, two-way conversation with God, Father, Son, and Spirit that involves talking and it involves listening. But I would say that prayer at its most formative is when we are in communion with Father, Son, and Spirit. Where there is a communion, a connection, a, a moment of unhurried resting and delight in the presence of God. A moment where we just cease from like all of our talkings and our petitions and our intercession and we just allow the moment to sit there and allow God to speak to us, allow his presence to renew us, allow the silence and the stillness to bring about a peace in us. I don't know about you, but I, I tend to be um, a pretty high-paced person. My life moves at a certain cadence and a certain rhythm. I'm from one thing to the next thing. I'm, I'm in this one moment doing this one thing, but I'm thinking about the next three things that I need to do and how if, if this domino and this thing can happen and if we can move this thing. I, I'm just an active thinker. 
and an active mover and obviously an active talker. I don't tend to sit still real well. I don't like to move slow and unhurried. But friends, I'm learning that there is something of deep value and an enriching of my relationship with God when I just slow down. When I start to move unhurried and find the right rhythm of God's grace. And in this moment of prayer, when we are praying God, on earth as it is in heaven, we are invited into a relationship, into a, a friendship, into a communion with God that is unbroken and not rushed. Heaven is where God and humanity will dwell in unbroken fellowship forever. And so when we are praying, Father, would your will be done with just on earth, God, just like it is in heaven, at the essence of that point in the prayer, we are saying, God, would you and I be able to dwell? Would I allow your presence to remain with me today? That despite what I have to do and what is on my agenda and the people that I interact with, God, would your presence remain with me? Can we just abide in unbroken relationship and fellowship? And would you dwell with us? That is, at the end of the day, the beauty of heaven. The beauty of heaven is that you and I get to dwell with God Almighty in unbroken, uh, pure, dwelt in communion with Father, Son, and Spirit. It is the moment where we get to finally be face-to-face -face with God. I love that phrase, face-to-face. -face. That's how Adam and Eve were created to live. In fact, the best way for a marriage is to stay face-to-face, -face, not facing off with each other, but standing face-to-face, -face, pursuing one another in unbroken communion and fellowship. And this phrase, face-to-face, -face, anytime you talk or you read in Scripture about the face of God or, or, or being face-to-face -face with God, that is the same Hebrew word in the Old Testament that we would use uh, in the Old Testament for the word presence. So anytime you hear the face of God being talked about, what are they talking about? The very presence of God. Whenever you see the word presence, it's just the same as if they're talking about the very face of God being visible, seen in contact, in view of you and I. Contemplative prayer, this idea of spending time with God, this, this idea of being unhurried in our prayer and, and, and edging into the, this communion with God through contemplative prayer is in essence being willing to, to sit in the presence of God. Which is really why Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to begin with which is why Jesus came to the earth to begin with, which is why God created Adam and Eve in the garden and so that there would be a communion with Almighty. This is what the end of the story looks like for us, friends, communion with God, fellowship with God. So when we are praying, heaven, would you come into this earth? Would, would it be just on the earth, just like it is in heaven? At essence, we're praying, God, could we have some communion with you? Could we just have this unbroken dwelling fellowship would your presence abide in us, with us, and around us? And if we're always just getting our list and doing our intercession and asking God for things, we miss the beauty of the moment of just sitting with God, to delight in God. Now, let me define a few terms for us. As we talk about this contemplative prayer, this communion with God, the Father, uh, the, the dictionary defines contemplate like this. To look at or view with continued attention, observe or study thoughtfully, 
to consider thoroughly, to think fully or deeply about, to think studiously, meditate, consider, and deliberately in a deliberate way, to consider in a deliberate manner, to think about something specific. When we come into contemplative prayer, I believe it is sitting in unhurried delight and fellowship with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Let me say it again. If you were taking notes, I want you to write it down. Contemplative prayer is this. It is sitting in unhurried delight and fellowship with God through the presence of Holy Spirit within us. That's what we're talking about today. Not just showing up to God and saying, God, here's this, and I need you to do this, and would you fix this, and God, I'm worried about this, and would you help my kids here, and do this, and do that. It's willing to just sit for a minute and to breathe deeply and allow the unhurriedness of this moment of silence with God to consider his goodness and his good deeds, to, be, to remind yourself of his past faithfulness, and to say, Lord, would you speak? Lord, would you just be here? Just in unhurried delight. You know, I think that the nature of a relationship, I, I think that a, a mark of health and a maturity in a relationship is the amount of time you can sit with that other person in silence with it, with it not being awkward. To be able to sit in a moment with somebody, to enjoy their presence, and to not feel like you have to say something. I got I to talk. I got to break the awkwardness. We got we to move beyond this. I think the mark of, of a maturing relationship, amongst hum, human relationships I'm talking about, is that you're able to sit with somebody, enjoy their company, enjoy being in their presence without having to say a whole lot. Without wondering if they're thinking the, the wrong thing about you or are we okay here in this moment? Yeah. Unhurried delight in a moment. This is what contemplative prayer is with God. You know, one of the words used in scripture to talk about the Holy Spirit is uh, the, the Hebrew word ruach, which is where we get wind and breath. It's the same word used interchangeably all through scripture, wind and breath. When Adam was formed out of the dust, God breathed in him the ruach of God, the breath of God, and Adam became a living being. This is why I believe that we are spirit beings. That's what lives forever in eternity. There is this, the, the ruach of God, the, the life of God. When you come to faith in Jesus, there is something made alive on the inside of you. It's your spirit being made alive. I love this idea that, that it is the wind and the breath in our lives and in our world to where we understand that it is the spirit at work in us and in our lives. I think this is why. Don't, get, don't go off like on the deep end here. Hang with me for a second. This is why I believe uh, that whenever you take a deep breath in and a deep breath out, there is a sense of peace that comes into your being. Because you were made a spirit. And your spirit is made alive in Christ. And when you breathe deeply, the ruach but there is a sense of peace. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. It's one of the things that comes about it. I, don't, I think that there is something to this moment. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this. Don't you know that your bodies, your physical beings, are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You're not your own. In other words, Paul is getting us to understand that it is the very spirit of God, the breath of God, the life of God. It is on the inside of you. And so when we take a minute in prayer to contemplate, to sit and commune and to just slow down for a minute, we're allowing ourselves to remind ourselves that it is God's spirit that actually lives on the inside of us. That it's in him we live and move and have our being, as the Apostle Paul would say. I think contemplation, this contemplative prayer, brings us to a place that heaven and God are in proper view through solitude, meditation, and silence. I think that that's what it is. It's a, a contemplation that brings, it brings us to a place where heaven, what does what heaven look like? What is God about in heaven? And, and we begin to imagine and think about what scripture tells us about God dwelling with us. It's in this moment where God and heaven, it becomes in proper view in our mind's eye so that through this solitude, through this the act of meditating on what God's word says and his character, that we sit in silence, that we get a greater sense of communion now with the Father. This is, what it, this is what it looks like. I believe God gave us an imagination for holy reasons. I believe your imagination is designed by God so that you can experience and encounter God. Now, your mind needs to be renewed. Absolutely. Some of the things that roll around in your mind are not very pretty to think about. They're not very holy, and they're not very godlike. Even in the last 20 minutes, some of you have had to like, oh, that's probably not something I should think about at church. Hold on, let me go back and rewind some things. But I believe that God gave you an imagination for a holy reason. And because of sin and death in our world, that we have to reclaim and, and find a redeemed way of using our imagination. Absolutely. Now, I'm not talking about visualization as the world would talk about it. Where, where, where you start to visualize something. That's not what I'm talking about. I think the world has hijacked imagination and turned it into a visualization. To where if you visualize something long enough, you can manifest it into your life. Eh, no. Doesn't work that way. You can put it on your, your life board, your dream board, your goal board. You can put a picture of the Ferrari on the refrigerator all you want, but just because you look at it every day doesn't mean you're going to manifest it into this world, into your life. I think the world has kind of hijacked something that originated with God. In fact, Scripture tells us that we are to see with our mind's eye, that we are to set our eyes on Jesus. In other words, uh, Paul writes in Ephesians that, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. I'm not talking about enlightenment. I'm talking about something in your spirit and in your imagination being awakened to see the truth of who Jesus is and what the Spirit is wanting to do in your life. And unless you stop and are willing to sit and listen, you'll miss out on it. But God gave you an imagination for a reason. I want you to do this. Play along with me. If you're at home, play along. If you're in the room, play along with me. I want you, I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Go ahead and close your eyes. Close your eyes. Keep them closed. And nobody's trying to pickpocket you. I promise all of our section hosts are here. They're, they're, not, they're not running around grabbing your purse. You're, you're fine. Just close your eyes for a second at home. I want you just to quiet your environment. Just sit, sit down. Take a couple deep breaths in and out. In and out, now I want you in your mind's eye to picture a banana. 
If you can see a banana with your eyes closed, just kind of put a thumb up in the air. When, when you see the banana, amazing. Okay, put your, put your, now I want you to imagine, still eyes closed, just, I want you to imagine just for a second an apple. Go right ahead, go right ahead, an apple. Good, 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 good. Now I want you to imagine for a second your pastor winning the lottery. Please, hurry, just imagine it real quick. I'm just kidding, you can open up your eyes. Open up your eyes. I don't play the lottery, it's not my jam. Now, some would say that what we just did would be demonic. You can't imagine things. That's not of God. Well, either we're all full of demons or perhaps God gave us an imagination for a reason. <laughs> I believe that it is within your imagination that actually is the incubator for the faith that you need to believe what God has said is true. Faith, Hebrews says, is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. What you hope for is what you see in your imagination. You had a picture in your mind as to what marriage was going to be about when you said, I do. And depending to which, to the degree to which you both had the same picture, and the degree to which that picture lines up with the word of God, is probably the degree to the confidence of what you are experiencing now in said relationship. But you had a picture. It was either an accurate one or it was a little lofty one and not quite grounded in reality. But the picture that you saw within you, that is your hope. That is your hope. Hope is what allows faith to be activated in the right direction. Hope is, is the thing that allows us to believe for what God says to be true, to actually be true. And so hope and our imagination and our mind plays a role in us developing a relationship with a God whom we cannot see, but yet has sent his spirit to live within us. And in these moments of contemplative prayer, we allow ourselves to grow in this communion with God. It, hope is the picture that helps set our beliefs in a direction. The more Jesus is our living hope, Scripture says, the resurrected Christ, 1 Peter 1, 3, is our living hope. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was Jesus? He came to be a living embodiment of what it looked like to have hope in a God that you can't see. But Jesus says, if you've seen me, oh, you've seen what the Father is like. You can have confidence in who God Almighty is because you have confidence in knowing that what I'm doing is of his will and who he is. He is this living picture. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes on what is not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, it's in this moment of contemplative prayer that we are willing to be still, to close our eyes, not because there's something spiritual about your eyes closed, but because it allows you to, to not get distracted by what's going on around you. So we sit still, we close our eyes, and we begin to allow our thoughts to think of God. We allow our words to meditate and murmur out scripture that builds our faith in God. So that we're in a posture and a place unhurried so that we can hear the whispers of God to our lives. I think we have to often close our physical eyes so that we can actually start to see with our spiritual eyes. We can see something that maybe we wouldn't have seen and we have to do it sitting still in his presence 
This is contemplative prayer. It is a mode of prayer. It is a way to pray to develop communion with Father God. Now, some of you are sitting there, and you're thinking, now, Pastor, this sounds an awful lot like Eastern mysticism to me. Sounds a lot like a bunch of New Age mindfulness. Sounds a lot like Buddhism, Pastor. Is that what we're teaching here? No. But I will say this, that before any of those things ever were made popularized in culture and before any of those things ever gained traction in their own religions and in their own false teachings, there was scripture and there was God's spirit at work in the world. Predates all of those things. And you need to know that the enemy of your soul, Satan himself, is known as the father of lies. He cannot create anything, but he can distort and create and, and, and turn into a counterfeit of a false substitute of what God originally created and said is good. So all of these other religions are false substitutes off the truth of what God has already said because Satan can't come up with his own stuff. He's stealing and distorting and lying about what Jesus and God have already said and what the Spirit has done through Scripture. And they're all a distort, they're all a counterfeit. So, no, we're not talking about those things. In fact, let me, let me say this contemplative prayer in church history was practiced and used before the New Testament was finally canonized. For those of you scholars, you would know that in order for Scripture, when, before we had the Bible as we have it now, we had all these collections of writings, and there were other people who were writing in that same time period, and, and these councils came together, and under the, the guidance of the Spirit, and together, and a sense of cooperation and collaboration, they, they canonized and brought together this writing we believe to be of God and inspired by God. This one, I'm not so sure it fits, and it's, it was good writing. It has some truth in it, but it's not really what we're not going to put it into our collection of Scripture known as the Bible. And it was in that holy process. But before that, we have writings and understandings that, that Christ followers would practice this mode of prayer known as contemplative prayer. Well, before Buddhism, before New Age started, Scripture speaks of meditating on God's word. Scripture speaks of being still before the Lord. Scripture speaks of having our eyes open to see something that is not here but is seen and internalized that produces a hope within. This isn't mysticism and it's not tapping into the spirit world. This is not new age. We're not talking about vibes, auras, or energies. Those are not of God. So when we talk about, well, I'm just, getting a, a different energy in here. It's either the spirit of God or it's the spirit of something else. There is no aura. There is either who God has created you to be, the essence of God living in you, or the absence of God living in you. We have to be careful in this day and age. We're not here centering ourselves on ourselves, some Tai Chi approach to life. You don't center yourself on yourself. You center yourself on Jesus. He's the center. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. We center our lives on who Jesus is. Now, I get that there's, there are some colloquialisms in our world today. Where it's like, well, I'm vibing on that. I'd wear that coat. I'm vibing that. I like that. That's a whole mood all on its own. 
like, I'm not here to be like legalistic on the subject matter, but I do believe that we have to be careful about what we say and how we say it. Would you please send prayers and good vibes my way? Well, it, do you want the spirit of God or do you want the spirit of the world? You better figure out which one you want. One has the power to heal, the other can just manipulate and control something that you don't really want to tap into. I'm blowing some of your minds right now, and that's okay. Your pastor loves you. And you just say to yourself again and again, I love my pastor, I love my pastor, I love my pastor. Just, it'll manifest itself eventually, it's fine. Sarcasm, friends, sarcasm. Friends, the Spirit of God is real. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third part of the Trinity. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. It's other than what you can contain and control or understand. Yes, it is different. We look to Jesus, though, not to ourselves to center our lives. We are not emptying our minds, as worldly mindfulness would say. Biblical meditation is not the same thing as worldly mindfulness. Biblical meditation is filling our minds with the truth of God and the character of God and the scripture of God when we murmur again and again the truths of God's words. Mindfulness as the world would teach you would be to empty yourself of all things. That's not biblical. We're not supposed to empty ourselves. The only thing we're supposed to get rid of is our own sin, our own nature, and say, God, less of me, but more of you. That's the scriptural way. That's the biblical way. Biblical meditation means to, to, to repeat and murmur again to yourself. So when I talk about meditating on God's word, I'm not talking about emptying your thoughts and emptying your life and depleting yourself of all the auras. No, what I'm talking about allowing yourself to be centered on who Jesus is, to breathe deeply of the spirit for a moment and to awaken within you the spirit of God that is already living in you because you are the temple of the spirit and he dwells in you. Full stop, no cap, he's there. You begin to meditate on God's word by murmuring and saying again and again, you are the good shepherd. My sheep hear your voice. They listen and they follow. I'm speaking God's word. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the presence of God. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. I don't have to worry or wonder. I, I am led by the Spirit of God. God's living in me. He's alive in me. There's a difference between mindfulness, which says just get rid of all the things, and biblical meditation that says fill yourself up on all of the good things of his word. There's a difference, friends. Let me give you a, some more biblical foundation for contemplative prayer. Now, all of these verses, they are many. I've written and composed for you on the central hub in today's sermon notes. You'll see in that section all of these references so you can go back and see it for yourself. Well, Pastor, why are you giving me so much scripture? Here's why. Because there are so many counterfeits in our world today. We need to stay anchored to what is true. And number two, for many of us, myself included, this idea of contemplative prayer is a bit new for me. This is just something in the last year and a half that I've really begun to explore and say, God, would you teach me how to do this better? Because I am too consumed with hurrying and getting God to do things for me. But there is a rich relationship that I long to have with God Almighty. 
Let me give you these real quick. Psalms 19:14. May these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 62, 1 and 5. I wait quietly before the Lord, for my victory comes from him. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. My hope is in him. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I keep asking that the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Friends, God wants to speak to you, his voice to your heart. His voice to your heart. Psalms 91, one through 10, talks about Uh, living in the secret place, abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. The imagery and the metaphor they're giving us is that the sense of being in solitude with God alone in his presence. What is that? That's contemplative prayer. Hebrews 3 verse 1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, we share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Fix your thoughts. Set your mind. Imagine Jesus. Think about who he is and what he's done. This is what it looks like to spend time in a contemplative way. Psalms 1, 2, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and those who meditate on his law day and night. Psalms 27, 4, one thing I ask of the Lord and this only I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You can't gaze upon the beauty of the Lord unless you're willing to sit and stare and look. Like one in love with another to look deeply into their eyes to discover their beauty. This is the kind of communion the Holy Spirit invites us into with God. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalms 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their own wicked schemes, but be still. Psalms 119, 18, open my eyes so that I may contemplate wonderful things from your instruction. Psalms 119.95, the wicked hope to destroy me, but I contemplate your decrees I contemplate them I think about them I'm I'm gearing my mind in a certain direction I'm thinking about these things Psalms 143 verse 5 I remember the days of old I meditate on all that you have done I ponder the work of your hands friends what does it mean what does it look like to sit in contemplation in prayer to sit still Think about the Lord, what he's done, who he is, what he's said, what he's written in his scripture, what is true. And to allow him to speak to your heart. Communion, communing with God Almighty. Psalms 119.27, make me understand the ways of your precepts and I will meditate on all your wondrous works. Friends, God wants to commune with you not just for the spiritually elite it's not just for the people who 
are sensational, eccentric. There are nuts and quacks and fruits all over the place, friends. The Holy Spirit is not weird. There are weird people, but the Holy Spirit is not one of them. People are weird before they get the Holy Spirit. And some of them stay weird after. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of you, who makes you alive, and in him you live and move and have your being. And he beckons and invites us into a relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit to where we can commune with him and sit with him in silence, allowing him to speak to our hearts. What does contemplative prayer look like? Let me give you three practical things. Number one, when you begin in contemplative prayer, consecrate. Just approach God. Most of the time, what I do, I take some deep breaths. I open my hands before the Lord, and I say, God, this time is your time. I'm here to meet with you. James says, draw near to God, and what does God do? He draws near to you. So I take some deep breaths. I close my eyes. I chill out. I say, God, I consecrate this time to you. You and me. Your spirit, would you speak? Second thing I do, I consider the ways and the works of God and I confess scripture aloud. Not out loud like loud, but like a murmur. Lord, you said that your sheep hear your voice and they don't listen to a stranger. So Lord, I am one of your sheep. I want to hear your word. I want to hear you speak to me. Help me not to be led astray by anything contrary to you, but would you speak to me, God? I consider your goodness, your good deeds. Sometimes I pray in the Spirit. I pray in tongues in this moment with the Lord. I consecrate it. I consider, I confess it. And then I just commune with God. I sit there in silence for a little bit. I invite him to speak. God, would you speak and show me what you want me to see today? eyes are closed. My body is still. I'm remembering to breathe because I don't want to die. And I wait on the Lord, as David wrote, to sustain me. When you sit in the presence of God, the Spirit can come and sustain you. Many of you are running dry and weary and on fumes, and it's because you've been too busy and hurried in your time with God. And you need to allow the Lord to sustain you. Friends, humanity came about because you were spirit. Your body was formed from the dust of the ground, which means the dust and from what comes from the ground is what is meant to sustain you. And when you die, you will return back to that place, back to the ground. But your spirit was breathed by God. It must be sustained by the life and the spirit of God. And one day you will spend eternity with God. I waited for the Lord to sustain me. Every major decision I've made in my life has come from moments where I was practicing this, whether I knew that's what I was doing or not. Much of the instruction that I get from the Lord comes in moments when I am unhurried just with the Lord. Not seeking something specific, 
not begging and pleading, not interceding, just waiting on the Lord, with the Lord, communing with Father, Son, and Spirit. Friends, this week, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, when you get to this on earth as in heaven, would you be willing to stop? Just set a timer, three minutes. Some of you, that's about as quiet as you can be for as long a period of time. Just three minutes. Why three, Pastor? I don't know. Father, Son, Spirit, it works. I don't know. Just go with it. Just start somewhere. And would you just for a minute consecrate the time, confess God's word, his truths, consider his ways, and sit in communion with the Lord. Three minutes of contemplative prayer to enrich and strengthen a relationship with God the Father, His Son Jesus, and Holy Spirit who lives in you. John 16, 13, Jesus said, but when He, the Spirit of truth, He comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own will. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. It is God's Spirit who knows God's wisdom. Just as one person's thoughts are known to that person alone, but this same Spirit has been given to every Christian. It is God's Spirit within us that gives us spiritual wisdom and shows us the thoughts and purposes of Christ. Friends, this week, may we commune with Father, Son, and Spirit in a new way. May we allow his life to be stirred in us as we are willing to consecrate, to consider his ways, to just simply commune with him and delight in his presence in the moment. This is what I want us to do here and now. If you would, just stand with me right where you're at. Grab your communion elements. Those of you at home, you can stand if you want or just grab the elements, quiet the area. And if you're able to, stand for a minute. Go ahead and open up the elements so you're not having to like crack and crackle the, the papers and all the things. And just stand there with the elements in both hands. And would you go ahead and close your eyes? right here, right there. Just close your eyes. Take a couple deep breaths. Would you just whisper your own prayer of consecration to the Lord? Saying, Lord, my life is yours. This moment is yours. I welcome you here, God. Just take some time in your own ways and consecrate it before the Lord right here, right now. And now in this moment, would you begin to consider Remember what God has done for you. Remember his forgiveness. Maybe there's a scripture that comes to your mind. Begin to meditate. Say it to yourself again. Maybe it's a, a simple prayer like, Lord, would you be near? God, I need you right now. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, just communicate to the Lord for a second. And now let's just sit for a minute. Ask the Spirit of God, God, would you speak to me right now? Is there anything you want to say to me?
God, your desire is to have unbroken fellowship with us. Lord, this week, would you help us to practice this kind of prayer where we are unhurried in our time with you, where we are willing to just sit in delight with you, even if it's only for a few minutes? God, would we sense your presence and know that you're near as you are with us? Lord, communion is what you long for with us. And so today, as we hold this bread, we have this juice, Lord, it is because of what Jesus did at the cross, his body being broken, represented by the bread, his blood being poured out for our forgiveness, which represents the blood and the juice here. Lord, when we are taking these in, we are reminding ourselves today that we get the Spirit of God living in us, not because we're perfect, but because of what Jesus did and his sacrifice was complete. It's enough. The cross is enough, which allows us to have this unbroken fellowship with you. Lord, we commit these moments in this time to you. May we commune with you this week. Let's take the bread together. And now the juice. Now let me pray this prayer of blessing and benediction over us. Put your hands out in front of you. Just hold on to your cups. You can get rid of them in a minute. I pray constantly, God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give us spiritual wisdom and insight that we may grow in our knowledge of you, God. I pray that our hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand and that we can be, have a confident hope that you have given to those who you have called your holy people who are your rich and glorious inheritance, God. I pray that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for each of us who believe in you. That this same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms, that you would dwell in us that same power. For you are far above all rulers or authority or powers or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world in which is to come. And God, you have put all authority in Christ and you've made him the head over all things for the benefit of your church. And Lord, we, the church, your body, would be made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're 
If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.